Hello everybody, welcome on into Tomes. My name is Jason Wiley. I am one of your hosts. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Kyori. How's it going? And today we will be continuing our discussion of the Wheel of Time Season 2. But before we get into that, we'll just cover some brief announcements before we dive into this episode. Uh, first, shameless plug, make sure to check out our Patreon, uh, get access to our Discord, and all that fun stuff. Yep. Um, but yeah, so one of the things for me, I am, I've been watching the Ahsoka show, and I've actually been enjoying it. It was very filler in the first three episodes, especially. It's all build up for the movie that's coming later on. But this latest episode was really great. Really enjoyed it. I am. I like the villains better than the main cast in the show, but at the same time, it's going really great, and I'm really enjoying all of that. And I'm excited for this next week's episode. And what you've told me, I am also getting excited, so I need to watch. But I also, this is what I like to do, and also I do this with One Piece. I like to wait, so that way they have like more than one or, one or two episodes, so that way I can just binge it. It's <laughs> a good way to do it. That's why I will be waiting for a long time for One Piece. Because <laughs> they're still in the Wano arc, if I remember correctly. And I, I'm like halfway through the Wano arc. I'm just like, I, I need to know what happens. But you know what? I'm just going to wait. And then I can just whoosh, crack it all out. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, which, a... yeah, actually I can, I can transition into that because I finished the live action version of One Piece. I started it. And... Would... What do you think? It's good. They did a really good job. I am honestly surprised. Good. Like, so again, honestly, whenever it comes to live action adaptations, it's, it's especially when it comes to anime, it's going to be a little wonky. And yeah. they picked One Piece. <laughs> Which is a very odd one anyways. Which, even if you look at the art style of One Piece to the rest of anime, it is wonky. <laughs> wow. Like, because, again, you gotta look, uh, so after we watched it, Megan's just like, oh yeah, now I want to watch the anime, so we're going back to the very beginning. Actually, I, I skipped over the part that actually the, an the live action covers. We went okay. straight into Logetown, which is okay. the next part. And, yeah, I forgot the way some of these characters looked. <laughs> yep. Like, in Logetown, Sanji does a cooking competition with a, like, this woman kind of challenges him, but he, yeah, he basically is like, not going to do it. Until he sees a fish that is very rare to find on this end. So he's like, okay, I'm in the contest now just for the fish. One of the girl's lackeys, like, for a second, you're like, oh, does he have black eyes? No, that's his nose. <laughs> like, his nostrils were just ginormous. And he is squat wide. And then there is the other guy who's also, like, very squat, has a ladle as a weapon. Like, there, I was like, I forgot how weird One Piece was for, for like, one minute. Especially Because, again, uh, after the two-year time skip, the art style changes and updates to... It's good. Even the weird wonky characters, they still look good. Yeah. I was like, whereas in the beginning, you're like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also the charm of it because it makes it wacky. It makes it funny. And yeah. like my only criticism I had for the One Piece live action is that it went like too serious. But since it's live action, it makes sense. So it's very much it cancels each other out. Like it makes sense why it would go more gritty more serious but still overall had that light-hearted tone that one piece has yeah although it was kind of nice and funny to hear zoro drop the f-bomb <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could definitely see that i was like and just again overall the way the story was covered like because again you and i have done this and will time does like we're going to be talking about this as well but Live action to original source material, never one for one, but it's always a fraction to whatever. Yeah. One, one piece was like 0.85 to 9 to 1. Nice. Just because it's more on, they altered a little bit to where the story would make more sense. Okay. Like, like, I like the parallel it shows with his grandpa Garp. 
and Luffy. Yeah. Like that was a very strong character choice because now, because again, you honestly, you don't see Kobe. You don't see any of them until water seven, which is like three, 400 episodes in. Jeez. Which is where you learn all this stuff with Kobe. And instead in live action, we're seeing it alongside the timeline. That is really cool. So it's they did a really good job. Uh, all the actors, honestly, they did a phenomenal job with it all. It's like again, huge props to Zoro's actor. Nami's actor brought it like when it was needed. Like, oh my gosh, the whole thing with Arlong just she nailed it. Not as good as again the original, just because the original had more time to really make you feel the punch. But yeah. they still did a great job with it. That's really cool. I'm excited. I need to finish it. Mm-hmm. So, and by that I mean the live action, not the actual show. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> what you don't want to go through a thousand plus episodes of One Piece? <laughs> no thanks. I choose life. Uh, actually, I'll give you a cheat code to skip sixty. They actually have a movie for the first sixty episodes. You can cover it all in an hour and a half. Uh, I'm still not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, idiot. Let's see here. What other announcements? I am. Uh, for me, Patrick Rothfuss in April had mentioned uh, something about the Doors of Stone coming this year and then decided to put out a different book this year. And so we're hoping that it comes out soon. It's sooner. Like, it might be done soon, hopefully, uh, next year or two finally have the book three and finish the king killer chronicles which would be amazing because so many theories <laughs> <laughs> okay i i just want to say this real quick just because th- this meme popped into my head because like you remember like sherlock back in the day when they were releasing episodes yeah it it would take them forever to put out a season like they would do the parallels of like supernatural season 38 Arrow season 12, Sherlock season four. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how I feel with Patrick Rothfuss. Brandon Sanderson concluded the Stormlight Archives moving into Era 2. Moving on to Era 3, Mistborn. Patrick Rothfuss finished the King Killer Chronicles. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, and again, that's just down to like the writer speed and what they do, and it's just again, each one of them is unique and they're fantastic. Uh, again, yeah. love, I do love the King Killer Chronicles from everything I've read. I'm excited to read Bast's book, and I'm excited when the Doors of Stone finally releases in about what five years? <laughs> Maybe six, <laughs> give or take ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then last bit of news I had uh, Seth Green actually did an interview with uh, Brandon Sanderson and Joe Abercrombie and it was actually really fun to watch because it's cool to see just like these authors uh, actually because Joe Abercrombie is based in the UK so it's really cool to see like the UK market and have them discuss like oh they're editors like in in America in the UK how they interact differently and just it's really kind of cool to see how all this works in the book industry their personal opinions and one of the questions i remember seth green asking is like okay who's your who's the author's author and yeah. i can't remember who they mentioned what and they're just like seriously like if you talk to anybody like that's in basically kind of i'm gonna say their age group and their caliber of being an author they know yeah. who they're talking about <laughs> yeah It'd be like, uh, in my mind's eye, just like, honestly, let's just say 10, 20 years down the line, you and I finally, like, we wrote a book, we finally came up with a series, and people are talking about us, and so for us, we would talk about Patrick Rothfuss, we talk about uh, all these professional, Frank Huber, like, all these other guys, and they go, who are they? (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, they're the classics, man, you gotta read those. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's just kind of really cool to kind of see that. And see yeah. how these two authors talk to one another. It's just like it's like seeing two professionals talk shop. It's just really cool to watch. That would be. I need to see that. Mm-hmm. 
But I think that might conclude us for fantasy news. So unless do you have anything else you want to add? No, let's jump into Wheel of Time. I'm really excited about this episode. Okay, before I get into this, I just want to say, like, I guess this is about Wheel of Time. So after watching it last night, this morning, I got on YouTube and Seth Green actually posted his review and his in basically his reaction to episode this last episode. And in the thumbnail, it said, Will Time trending up, and I cannot agree anymore. Like, it really is. And this episode made me go, yes, finally, <laughs> we're getting back on track. <laughs> yeah, this season has been so good, I mean, compared <sighs> to last. So last season, I still enjoyed it, but I felt like they were trying to do their own thing a lot with it. And this one just feels like it's, going with the story a lot more i am changing some things like we talked about last time but done in such a good way and everything they did what makes sense everything they did just adds to the world adds to the story and i'm really enjoying that yeah and even the changes they have made are honestly good strong character choices i as i've been going through this uh because i even talked to my mom about this today because i'm like oh yeah no tell tell dad to watch season two he's actually going to enjoy it because that was one thing me and my dad had in common is we both read wheel of time it was something him and i could talk about so when season one came out him and i were just kind of talking like okay yeah they changed this they changed that they changed this changed that to where now i feel like no dad i think you're gonna actually like it and i'm actually getting more and more excited because oh my gosh they're doing so good right now they're getting back on track <laughs> <laughs> yeah like oh, definitely like, okay, because it really does feel like they are staying true to the characters. Even with the changes they've made, it feels like the character choices they are making, it is what the character would pick, even if it is a slightly different scenario. Yeah. Like, again, okay, so real quick, th this was my, this is my only nitpick, and, and this can be disregarded because it's like, <laughs> it's pronunciation. Yeah. So Nynaeve pronounced the city Falm okay. when in the audiobook I've heard it as Falma. <laughs> so when she's like, I'm going to Falm, I'm just like, where that? <laughs> 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 and then I, then I think I heard either Leandrian or Gwen. I heard somebody say Falma. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. I, I'm back in. <laughs> can we get one or the other <laughs> i'm just like i understand fantasy pronunciation is hard okay <laughs> especially will of time only reason why i'm nitpicky is because on that one is because i listened to the audiobook and even still the audiobook could have gotten it wrong it's fair like this is where i'm just like seriously you could take it or leave it it is a nitpick it honestly it does not impact the story it was just wait yeah. it was just for me as i was watching it's like wait falm falm what, what city is that then i heard uh uh at the very end it was like oh thelma thelma okay okay i'm back in i'm back in <laughs> <laughs> yeah but okay so i just wanted to address that nitpick because seriously the rest of the show has killed it <laughs> it did i mean this episode from start to finish was just fantastic Okay, I think I do only have one negative thing to say, but we'll get to that when we get there. But okay. I did love the beginning with Ashamael releasing Lanfear. Yeah, that was cool. And one of the things that, again, this was my impression of it, but when you looked at the dome, did it look at all like slightly futuristic, like kind of sci-fi-ish, or did it still look more fantasy? Oh no, so it looks sci-fi, and that's one of the things I loved that yes! they brought in from the past for the um, the original dragon, where everything was future. Yeah, and... yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> because this is the entire thing with Will Time. It's like, technically, it is set in the future. It is technically sci-fi. But it just, because of the breaking of the world, it dialed them back to a fantasy-like era. And I love the fact that it showed that it looked si somewhat sci-fi. It just was like, ah, they got the details. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was really cool. And I love that 
they keep referencing that where they had all this ancient technology and these things that they can't replicate and they don't understand how it works, like the arches and all those type of things. That's all futuristic technology that runs run with magic, but it's a society that developed around magic. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things you don't see that often. Yeah. And I love it. I think that's such a cool way to do it. And they've just, oh, they've been killing it. The foreshadowing in the show has been great. And I love, like, because even with me knowing everything in the book and I'm seeing it, I'm just like, oh, I like this take. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so after Shamayel, we go to Moraine showing up at her younger sister's house. Yes. And I am. Go ahead. Go for it. I was just trying to, I was buying time as I collected my thoughts. So go for it. Yeah, so I really like this because the episode started and it started with I uh, with her younger sister, and I remembered her from the party, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, why is it focusing on her? Like, who is she? I don't understand at all. And then that drop that that's Moraine's little sister. I'm just like, oh, oh, this is cool, and yeah. just seeing her character through all of it. And just how, especially how hurt the end of the episode with everything. I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you are awesome. Oh, yeah. This is where, again, this is where Willow Time does fantastic because Matt, not Matt, Rand actually does meet her at a party in, in Kyrian. Like, they yeah. stay true to that. And the fact that, yeah, it is Moraine's little sister. I was like, oh, that is good. But they also dropped one thing uh, a little bit later. And we can cover that later. But, again, I just love the interaction. And I love how they're showing her noble roots. Showing Moraine's noble heritage. And because, so, the main thing in Kyrian is, I mentioned it last time, was Deus de Mar. The game of houses. Yeah. And if you look at the way Moraine plays in the White Tower, the way she does politics, you can tell she is a master of Deus de Mar. Yeah. Because it is all about how can I manipulate the situation to get what I need? Which is, that, that, that's noble politics. <laughs> it is. Um, and, one of the things I liked is that is reference. I am, it's when she's talking to the traitor, and mm-hmm. once she, like, gets what she wants and leaves him completely screwed. Yeah. And she's like, you might use these, but the, I said I created it. So the game of the houses, um, the I said I like, they thrive off of that in both places. And so her having that background made her so much better as an I said I in the tower and already ready for it. Yeah. And just how brash Moraine is, she's like, she, because that is how Aes Sedai view royalty, is that they are beneath them. Like, royalty yeah. is beneath Aes Sedai. <laughs> so the fact she just comes in just like she owns the place. Yeah. It's, it's fitting. Like, it works for the character. I mean, it's one of those things just like, oh, I hate this character. But when you understand, like, no, there's a reason why she can act this way. It is accurate. You may oh, not yeah. like it. But it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, Moraine has been my least favorite character. Oh, I'm, mine too. I love her character, but I hate her too. Um, she's a character I love to hate. Exactly. Yes. She, the acting is done phenomenally well. Where yeah. she does come across that way. And honestly, I love her interaction at the very end. But we'll, we're going to cover that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so, on to Rand. Rand cleaning up after the burn down. Yes. Uh, what are your uh, thoughts? My main thing, my notes on this scene is Celine is killing it. Like Celine, I love how she referenced the Kinslayer's dagger because mm-hmm. in in the Great Hunt, Celine actually does go with Rand to Kinslayer's dagger. They fight. Uh, I don't think it was a Murdral, but they fight Trollocs, and he okay. slays them. And that's when like she's able to kind of come to. The decisions. But Celine being seductive, Celine being her character, I'm just like, oh, she, she's good. She's doing a great job. <laughs> she is. 
I am. So I have a question. Okay. And I know this is probably for later on, but I just have to ask it. Does she know who he is beforehand? Uh, I assume yes. Yeah. But does she? I believe in the books, yes. She. It's very much one of those things where... So in the world of real time, throughout all the ages, there's been what's called false dragons. Strong men who can channel. Like these are men who can channel strongly where they're like, this could be the dragon. They, they don't know for sure. Which yeah. is where the red Aja comes in, which is to kind of break it down. Yeah. But it's always kind of this loose air. It's like, are they really the dragon reborn? Are they loose there in Telamon reincarnated? Okay. And there's usually telltale signs and there's actually a prophecy that goes along with it. And so I believe actually when a Shamael releases her from the prison, Shamiel has met Rand. He's able to sick her on Rand. <laughs> That's what I figure. I so, so very, yeah. cause they're both forsaken. Yes. So yes, 100%. I can say she knew Rand prior okay. to, it's just her way of trying to get hit, not just, yeah, not only just corrupt him because this is where, okay. I'm just saying it. Selena's land beer. Okay. I just got to say that. So, because yeah. cause going forward, this is the explanation for all of it, is that Lanfear did all of this because during, back when Luce Theron was still alive, her and him had that connection. Lanfear was the mistress. Okay. Lanfear wanted the power, but did not want to have the commitment to Luce Theron. She was always torn between the light and the dark. And she wanted power. That was always her thing. She wanted power. She was willing to give up Luz Theron and become a forsaken for the sake of having the power. So that's what she's referencing about her first love was Luz Theron. Correct. To which Rand is the reincarnation of Luz Theron. That is why she goes after him. Is because it is still her first love. Okay. That's cool. That's a good way to do it. That's really which, interesting. Which, again, knowing all this and seeing how Celine and Lanfear interact, you're just, I just go, she's killing it. She is doing an amazing job. Yeah, she is. Like, it's just like, wow. Like, knowing all this and seeing how they are pacing it, it's perfect. I have not, like, she has been flawless throughout everything we've seen. Even yeah. the slightly different take of her being the innkeeper, like th th even the slight little changes, it's strong for the character. Like everything with it has been perfect. Like I have zero complaints when it comes to Lanfear. They did an excellent job. I agree. And honestly, I haven't read the books, but I really enjoyed um, her character and the manipulation and I loved that this episode started with her being summoned and mm -hmm. ends with revealing that it's Celine. That was such a great way to do it. And even though I, I saw it coming right before, like a couple scenes before, it was that final nail in the coffin of this is who it is. And it was just really powerful, really well done. Mm -hmm. But you did see it like in the earlier episodes, it had to be this episode? No, because I didn't, I didn't even know about her. I didn't know about the other Forsaken. Okay. Um, so I, I couldn't see it coming. Yeah. Only reason why I wanted to bring that up is because that's how good their foreshadowing was. They did it so beautifully to where they finally, when they introduced the information, you had that time in the episode to start calculating it to where you go, mm, is this it? And then you get the payoff. Yeah. So they just did excellent job with the pacing. Yeah, they did. They really did. All right. So we'll, we'll move on now to the White Tower <laughs> with uh, Nynaeve going like, what the heck did I experience? <laughs> yeah. She's very distant and just there's that blockage between her and uh, Egwene. Egwene. Um, Egwene is so petty. 
dude. Okay, this is where I hit. Like, this is where this is why Egwene is my least favorite character in the Wheel of Time. Like, yeah, she is like the actress. Like, again, I give high praises for the way they're doing Egwene because it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, most of the women in the Wheel of Time for me are insufferable. Like, <laughs> there's only a handful that are not, and I'm just, and for me, I'm just like, you know what? There's a reason why Rain gets with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's because Nynaeve and Egwene are so insufferable to me, which, <laughs> which is a trait from the Two Rivers. So the fact that they've kind of been, they've been consistent and accurate. So I was like, I can't complain. I can hate the characters, but they're doing a great job with portraying these characters. Yeah. And this is where I like how we see just the two's, like Nynaeve and Egwene's different priorities when it comes to the tower. Mm -hmm. Like, as you begin to now see more more Nynaeve, Nynaeve is trying to be there to protect people from the Aes Sedai. She's trying to rescue Lan. She's trying to rescue Egwene from the White Tower. Whereas Egwene wants to be fully in the White Tower. Yeah, she does. Like, she wants to be the top dog in the White Tower. Whereas Nynaeve wants to destroy the White Tower. She wants nothing to do with it. And so yeah. it's kind of cool to see those two's different goals in the tower. And I just love how it's very much like Egwene is almost needy for that attention. Whereas Nynaeve doesn't want it, but gets it. Yep. <laughs> and so that's why I like the fact that they've developed, like Egwene has developed that jealousy, has developed all that. Because that is, again, very accurate to the books and very accurate to the character. Yeah, the scene that really solidified their differences and really was like the, I guess, breaking moment for the two of them, for me, mm-hmm. was when she goes to visit Nynaeve and she goes to touch the reins. Like, oh, how does this feel? It's just like, are you kidding? Oh, like, yeah. That, oh, that drove me up the wall where it's like, Egwene, just leave. Just, just leave. Which, again, it, it's accurate to Egwene's character. Like, yeah. uh, which is why I'm not the biggest fan of Egwene. <laughs> Makes sense. But, this, again, this is where the, this season is killing it. Because the, they've gotten the characters right. They've gotten yeah. the characters so good and so accurate. Whereas, because again, so the stages for becoming an Aes Sedai is once you, after becoming an novice, you become accepted, you get the ring. The next yeah. step, the final step, is you get the shawl. And the shawl is the color of the Aja you're joining. And they get to choose which Aja they join, correct? Correct. They get to choose what Aja they join. So each Aja, once they're accepted, they're tr- basically they're, they're playing politics in the tower on who's going to get who. Who wants, yeah. like, everybody's after Nynaeve for a reason. Oh, because yeah. Nynaeve is such a strong Chandler. Only group that's like, eh, we don't need it, are the Browns. Hmm. Because Browns like, eh, we, we like our books. <laughs> yeah. But everybody else is just like, we want a strong Chandler. We want someone to do this, we want someone to do that. And one thing that I am excited, because I think they'll do this, is each Chandler has a specialty. Okay. Like, there could be an Aes Sedai who is very good at crafting Tarongrial, which is what those arches were. They're items to help increase your channeling ability or that okay. take channeling and are able to do something with it. Mm-hmm. So it's just really cool that as we go through it, we're going to start seeing some of these specialties. That will be. And again, uh, Actually, one of the notes I had is Egwene, wrong thing to say, is very canon. Because, <laughs> again, that's the reason why I brought that up is because as soon as she was in there, the last thing she said was that, don't worry, Nynaeve, every, like that, nothing was real beyond that gate. Yeah. That is like the worst thing you could say. <laughs> yup. Yup. Oh, man. Like, 
So this was the thing that drove me up the wall so much in Wheel of Time is because these women assume so freaking much. I just like <laughs> seriously, just sit down and talk. Just, just, just a conversation, please, please, just converse with one another. Which is why I love Elaine because she's like, all right, let's talk things out. <laughs> yeah, that's why for like all Wheel of Time, I'm like Elaine, you're my sanity in this book. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's just because, again, the the Aes Sedai, as you've seen, are very secretive. They play their cards close to the chest. Yep. Which will lead to so many misunderstandings. <laughs> yep. But that's also... They trust nobody. They trust nobody, and they also choose to do that because they want to mislead them. <laughs> yeah. Just... <sighs> yep. Again, uh, my frustration is... It's a good frustration right now just because I'm smiling this entire thing because they have freaking nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no, they have. Right, let's talk about Lan a little bit. Okay, this is my only downside to this entire series is okay. they've gotten Lan kind of inaccurate. Okay. Elaborate. So Lan and Moraine, they, they are super close. In fact, uh, when... Uh, what what's her name? The the green that's taking care of all the warders that has now that's now taking care of Lan as a warder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember her name, but I yeah, I I think I have it written down somewhere. But anyway, she's just like, oh, you didn't know Moraine before she bonded you, Alana. Alana, yeah. She she wasn't like this. It honestly, it should have been Lan telling that story instead, because. Because Lan and Moraine go back. Like, they have a deep history and to where there's a reason why the they kind of touch on it. And this is one thing that I do enjoy with Lan scenes is they're talking about the Warder Bond. Yeah. And the Warder Bond, seriously, they can almost communicate with each other. Yeah. And with Moraine, and, and again, the entire, the one line that one the one guy says oh where is it i know he says it later later on oh where is it maxime yeah maxime how he was masked and then says everyone else is gonna tell you that you can't go back to her but i'm proof you can uh no okay uh shoot where is it i'm gonna find it because i did write it down uh talk about bond masking Explain the bonds and pitfalls. Alana. Uh, uh, I guess I didn't write it down. He talks about how, like, Lan goes on just saying, like, I thought I was her equal. And he's like, dude, she can channel. Of course you're not her equal. Like, oh, he, yeah, Yvonne. Yeah. But he's like, but here's the difference. Everybody sees her strengths. You see her weaknesses. And you cover them. Mm-hmm. That... Word is profound because that is 100% the warder's job. Yeah. Because think of like a think of like a lot of RPGs where you have your spellcasters where it mm-hmm. takes them a minute to cast a big spell. And during yeah. that minute, they're vulnerable. Yeah. That is where the warders come in. The warders are their tanks. They're their defenders. So as they're gra- channeling gathering that energy the warders are there to protect their Aes Sedai in those dire situations now that makes sense so again their bond land and moraines it is very deep it is that of friendship it is it is honestly two spies who actually get along who have that bond connection and they know what they need to do yeah that is Moraine and Lan. So I don't like how they're almost trying to make Lan a little bit more whiny about it. When Lan was never whiny. Okay. Lan was always like, that's the way the world works. Whenever Rand, Matt, or Perrin complained, Lan was the lawbringer. He was like, No. You don't understand this. You have not been around as long as we have. You have not seen the things we've seen. This is how the world works. This is how it has to be. 
land was that for the boys? Okay. So that's why I'm just like not the biggest fan of almost like the way they're making him a bit more whiny. Makes sense. Kind of a reverse of what they did to Aragorn, where in the books he's a little bit more whiny, but in the movies he's not. Yeah. Lying. So I can definitely see. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Land Moraine, yeah. Land and Moraine had a deep connection. If anything, yeah, Land should have been given the history lesson about who Moraine is. And for me, I actually, I'm not going to say that note because that's a bit of a spoiler. Much appreciated. But, but again, I love how accurate, like the warders are the warders and the way they talk, the way they do things is fantastic. Like I do like it. It's just, again, I don't like the way they're kind of treating land. That, that, that's just, that's my only real negative I've seen. But again, for all I know, they might be doing this. So that way he has this big character development. That's what I feel is going to happen. Yeah. And if that's what they're doing, I'm all on board for it. Like I want to see that character development. And so, and that's what we're seeing. It's just, I'm right now. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but again, hindsight is always 2020. So after it occurs, I might go, Oh, okay. I like it. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of holding out for because I mean, it's not a fun part. It's not really Mm -hmm. enjoyable. But it's not supposed to be. Yeah. This is supposed to be his darkest, hardest time where he's cut off. He's alone, forced to be with other people and not with his Aes Sedai. And so I'm just, I'm expecting it to start changing for them to develop and all of that. So I'm excited for that. I think I've really enjoyed Lan. He's actually probably one of my favorite parts of the mm-hmm. show. Okay. I am. And, I mean, yeah, this part is really, it's not as great as other parts with them, but it's, been, it's still been really good. And I've liked these parts because there's so much information getting shared and learning about. Mm-hmm. That's just subtle things or parts in the background that I've really, I really enjoyed. And like you talked about where it talked about the warders and who they are and what they can do and who they, all that. Um, his interaction mm-hmm. between the two of Maxon and Yvonne. And I just, I've really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I do like how they explain masking because that is a very important thing to discuss. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> this is one thing, again, this is where I think Robert Jordan was a little horny when writing some of this, uh, hmm. because the bond strength, like that's one of the biggest benefits of the bond is sex. <laughs> Makes sense. Because it's not just like, it's that um, not only that connection that you share when you're being intimate, but now you can feel their emotions. Yeah. And they can pour that out into that bond, which is why waters are like, dude, sex is great. Is <laughs> <laughs> because it, it takes it to the next level. Yeah. But. Okay, so now after the lands bit, we go back to Moraine. I like how we see her kind of get sentimental as she is in her old house. Mm-hmm. And I do like how they show how little Aes Sedai age. I like seeing that contract. Yeah, that part was really cool. And I thought it was really well done and emphasized heavily without it being stated. Mm-hmm. And... Actually, was this scene when she goes sees Loghain mm-hmm. that I was just like, oh, they took something from like the what I didn't like in season one and they made this scene strong now. Because, mm-hmm. OK, so at the end of the first season, and this is what Maureen's going through is Maureen is stilled. She's not able to channel. Mm-hmm. Just like our buddy Loghain. That is something they both have in common. Mm-hmm. So when she goes, I, I do have something that I know you want so desperately and it's not wine and pulls out the knife. Yeah. It is of that, of mutual understanding of, I know how much it hurts to not channel and be unable to touch the source. Just that subtext in that scene spoke volumes to me. 
it did. It was a really powerful scene. And so that's where for me, I was like, they took something that I hated and made this scene fantastic. Yeah. So, honestly, this season has been making my expectations do a 180. Good. It means that they're really trying and they're really putting in quality work. And it's showing. And I'm Mm -hmm. loving it so much. Um, Me too. So, anything else you want to talk about with Moraine going to see Loghain? Um, no, not really. I think okay. that really covers that part. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am. Then we go back so, to the White Tower after that. Yeah, this part wasn't really memorable for me. Mm-hmm. I am. It was very much just more whining and complaining and then sulking. I am for, but the part that did was after all that. It was the scene between I am Leandrin. the red, yeah, Leandrin and what the the I don't keeper, they call her keeper, and basically the keeper is just like, well, of course I talked to the chair because as the keeper, I am the chair right now, or whatever. Okay, so again, I love this because they're explaining the hierarchy of the tower. Yeah. So you have the Armalin seat at the very top. That's what it was, the seat. Yeah. Then you have her second in command, which is the keeper. Basically, it's her secretary. (laughs) Okay. But the Armlincy and the keeper need to be close. It is very much like if you really wanted to get information out, you might go to the keeper because the keeper listens on everything the Armlincy does, say, and everything. She has that information. So I'm glad that they are showing kind of the hierarchy of the tower itself and how important the keeper and the Armlin seats roles are. And I really like how like Leandrin goes, you know, if she falls, so do you, because yeah. that's how it is. That's how close those two have to be. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that the keeper is basically trying to take over like an underhanded coup at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I and that's when she gives her that warning. But now that warning is tainted because of all the other things with Leandrin throughout the rest of this. Yeah. And when we get to that part, I, I got a lot of fun things to tell you now. <laughs> okay. Just keep it to like, I'm non-spoilers. Ke- I'm talking please. more on like everything that has led up to this moment and why I okay. love this. Okay. But, again, I do love how we actually see Leandrin really getting nosy in the tower. Yeah. She really is. But, after that, we finally get to the good stuff with Perrin. Yes. Oh, the wolves, <laughs> Elias, oh, the way they've been doing it. I'm just like, this is it. This is, this is like, straight out of the book. That's awesome. That was a really fun scene. It was really enjoyable. I thought it was really well done. Um, everything was explained so easily and succinctly, um, but it didn't feel forced. It all felt natural, and I really enjoyed it. And do you like how the wolves communicate? Yeah, the visions, and that the more time you spend, you'll understand it better. Like, do you understand on how Perrin got his got the wolf's name? Yeah, the vision the wolf was given of him jumping. Of or him hopping. Hopping, that's right. Because <laughs> his name's Hopper. <laughs> you know, I love how Elijah says, close enough. He's like, yeah, good. <laughs> because, dude, seriously, I love it. Hopper is so important, and I love it. <laughs> I had the feeling he was going to be. Like, I love the way they've done all this. Like, they are now treating Perrin with the justice he deserves, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely am enjoying his character, and he's probably my one of my favorites at this point. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, in the book, uh, I loved Parent's chapters. I love them more than all the Aes Sedai chapters. Just because I love the entire Wolf Brother theme, I love the inspiration that Par- where Parent comes from. Like, mm-hmm. Parent was one of my favorite characters in the book. Just because I found everything with the wolves so interesting and so intriguing, and I love his character development. Okay. 
but I I can understand why from this part of it. So yeah, uh, he, there's actually a lot of inspiration for him that comes from Thor. Okay. Which I learned that when I, because again, last night I was like, oh shoot, because uh, I paused it like right before they showed Hopper's name. I was like, what's the name of the dog? What's the name of the wolf? <laughs> <laughs> and so like, oh yeah, Paranabara inspiration comes from Thor, from Norse mythology. I was like, okay, I can see that. Okay, moving on. Where's the, where's the, where's the puppy's name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, oh, then, yeah. But yeah, then next scene was Landon. We've kind of talked about that already. So the next three scenes, oh, next two scenes, I feel like we can kind of skip over because they're set up. And I think it's worth mm-hmm. talking about the payout. Yeah. And then more than anything. So the mm-hmm. next scene I think we should talk about is uh, Leandrin talking to um, Nynaeve. And this mm-hmm. part where she sets up, um, she gives like. They're talking about the arches. She asks if it's real and basically tells the story of her son and all that. And then drops, I don't want you to do anything with this, but your friends are in danger. Oh, that's set up. Oh, it's yeah. Like, that is such a setup. Oh, yeah. And okay, just, just so you know, because they did mention it, the three oaths. Mm-hmm. Here are the three oaths. Is one... Speak no word that is untrue. Yeah. Yeah, speak no word that is not true. Two, make no weapon with which one man can kill another. And number three, never use the one power as a weapon except against dark friends or shadow spawn or in the last extreme defense of her life, the life of her warder, or another Aes Sedai. Those, oh. those are the three O's. And I'm glad that Leandrin talked about it as just like, these are the three O's to protect everybody else from the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. I love this because basically what's going to transpire later on. Yeah. Because, again, you've already seen the stuff with Egwene and just kind of how stubborn and all this is. But I love how they kind of, they briefly talked about it. So I'm looking forward when they actually have the discussion of like the three O's are important. They are needed. Yeah. So again, I like how they start mentioning it and want, and I'm excited for them to actually delve more deeper into the, those three O's and the symbology and the importance of them. Uh, I love how Le- possessed, like, I see, like, the way she treated her son is, like, how possessive Leandrin actually is. Yeah. And I like this scene because it's honestly one of the true forms of the sisterhood of the Aes Sedai. It's very much like there is the politics in the tower. But when one Aes Sedai is in trouble, the other Aes Sedai will respond and protect. Definitely. That is really cool. That is a really cool theme that they're showing with it all. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's the... Ugh, I put it in the wrong area. Order C, their weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. I put it in the wrong is, section. I, well, you had it in the right section, because this mm-hmm. is where he actually talks about it. Yeah. And this is where he sits down and talks to him, and he actually says one of my favorite quotes in that about it is right after that, he says, when he says we see their weaknesses, he says we remind them that they are not gods. Oh, uh, yeah. I like that. Actually, there is one quote. Again, dude, he was nailing quotes left and right, man. I just gotta say yeah. that. I uh, like his character. Yvonne is really cool. Yvonne's dope, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I love this line of, we're quiet because the conversation is always playing out in our heads. That part hit me so hard. Same here, <laughs> bro. I'm just like, bro, that's me. I understand it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, all right, all right, I'm going to be called out for the rest of tonight, and uh, goodbye. <laughs> and then I love how Moraine comes back in to, like, see her younger sister waiting in a room, and I love seeing the game of houses occur in the family. <laughs> Yo, this this was so phenomenally done. This is honestly one of my favorite parts, because Moraine gets put in her place hard, where his sister is just 
Yeah, see, everyone that you used to have, your eyes and ears are mine now. That guard, mine. The head of that place, mine. This, mine. You want any of that information about Rand? You don't have to sit down and have tea with me. I don't care what you think. It was just like, oh boy. <laughs> like, I love it because it was such a humbling moment. Like, it was one of those like, oh yeah, yeah. You're this big I Sedai, right? You you just trounce on rulers. Let me show you what a real ruler can do. Yup. And one oh. of the reasons why I love this scene is because they mentioned her last name. Dama yeah. Dread. Yeah, so I'm guessing that comes into play more later. Uh you've already met uh basically the next heir to to that to Kyrian. Elaine. She's a Domadred? She is a Dom her dad is a Domadred. Oh, and that's So is that who they're talking about where her son married the royalty? Yep, her son married Elaine's mother. Gotcha. And she is the again, she is the product of the two. So she actually is going to rule all of oh crap, what's the name of the country they live in? <laughs> anyway, they rule over the area with the two rivers and yeah. all of that. And Kyrian. Like she she rules yeah. two two kingdoms. <laughs> That's awesome. So, cause again, it's Elaine Tracan Domadred. Gotcha. Okay, I missed that. Oh, I don't think they've covered it. So th that's just more on like, I'm giving you a slight heads up because this is right okay. now. Now you can kind of understand why they dropped that name. Yeah. Because Domadred is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But again, I just, I love that scene so much of the sister putting older sister in her place and not oh, just any crazy. older sister. And I said, die older sister. Yeah. That makes you go, oh, she good. <laughs> <laughs> yup. I am. So this brings us to Leandrin confronting I yes. am. The three. So what you were talking about, where they can't use it to hurt anyone unless it's to save someone else. Like well, save another one. Or is she breaking her oaths? Technically, she didn't hurt them. Like, okay, so never use the one power as a weapon. She used it to incapacitate them. You can bind, you can keep them from moving, you can immobilize them. Uh, Leandrin didn't kill them. Okay. Didn't use it as a weapon. Fair. She used I mean... it as a restraint. And technically, she sent a gust of air to knock them backwards. It's the wall that knocked them out. Or I hate technicalities. Yeah, that's also what I do, is they find technicalities. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But I... I believe that is the case. If not, uh, the other reason behind it, why she could do that, uh, is because she is not of the Red Asha. She's not? There is a secret Aja. Want to guess what? Well, there's a spoiler. <laughs> really, dude? That's not... a, what did I ask for? Is no spoilers. <laughs> uh, it kind of shows this. It actually has. And even still, I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing Black. Okay. <laughs> Black Aja. Assassins. Basically. Uh, they, they've mentioned it. Actually, I believe they might've mentioned it in season one. They are, they are Aes Sedai who are dark friends. Ah. So this is where from, I, again, this could just been me jumping to conclusions. It's just like, aha, they show, <laughs> they show now she's of the black Aja. But okay. the black Aja, it, it, in terms of the Aes Sedai, it's been just a massive rumor that, oh, the, the Black Aja is not real. Because uh, what sister is going to make friends with Shadow Spawn? Yeah. But Aes Sedai, who are dark friends, are considered of the Black Aja. So are they actually evil? 
or are they trying to work with the dark friends or are they good uh overall they are working with the dark friends because this is where Aes Sedai are trying to hedge their bets okay so let me give you this perspective okay so there is a prophecy that the dragon will return to restore balance from the breaking of the world yeah how is he supposed to do that if the male half of the one power is tainted by the dark one's ability? Fair. So then going with that reason of logic, wouldn't siding with the dark be more profitable for your own survival? That's the kind of logic a lot of these black Ajas see is the male half is tainted. These men are going to go insane. The guys on the dark, who are dark friends, because the dark one can remove the taint from male channelers on their half because they're working for them, they won't go insane. So we could work with them on the dark side. And thus, the dragon, he's not going to be able to save the world. He's just going to break it again. So why not side with the side who's going to win? That's that is the thinking. That is the mentality. Okay. So makes but, sense. Which but, carries us into the next part where the person I I am We didn't men. cover men. We didn't cover men and uh Matt gambling. No, and the reason I skipped it's over so, previously is because it was brief and it's set up for this. Yes. So, so just a quick recap. Uh, Matt and Min go to a tavern. They get a room. She says, let's go to an attic. She's meeting somebody. There we go. That's the setup. <laughs> yeah. I am. And the person she ends up meeting is Ishmael. Ishmael. <laughs> Ishmael. Yeah. It, it is. It's just think of Ishmael but said fancy Ishmael. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so meets up with Ishmael and Ishmael is going to take her powers away so she no longer has to deal with seeing the future. Mm-hmm. And then she starts panicking because he's a it's one of the Forsaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and I'm glad, like, I'm so glad they're leading into yeah, you don't understand how ferocious the Forsaken are. He's powerful. Oh, and they haven't even gotten to some of the other Forsaken who are just like straight up dark and evil. Yeah. Like, dude, oh. I'm excited when they cover that so that way they go, oh, Forsakens are okay. No, no. They're, they're <laughs> demons. <laughs> yeah. They are monsters for a reason. <laughs> But I also I, love how it's like Kyrian is going to be where they all meet up. Yeah. Which, yeah. speaking of, you get back to Rand. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, speaking of the other Forsaken, uh, back to Rand. <laughs> and that's the that's the next twist and everything. So Rand uh, ends up facing off against, what were they called again? Murdral. Uh, Murdral. And... Ends up killing it by channeling. Celine freaks out and then basically is like, well, you need someone to love you the way you are. And then goes to sleep with him and then proceeds to get stabbed in the chest by Moraine and then her throat slit. Um, and so right before that, this part actually really bugged me. Okay. So he gets the sword knocked out of his hand. And then after all that, she like leans him back to the house and he doesn't stop to grab the sword. Like, that sword is everything to him. It's and his just, dad's weapon! Like, yeah, meh, I'm just gonna leave it out here. It's fine, I don't need to grab it right now. It'll I'm be there like, in the morning! <laughs> why? And they're like, why would you do that? Like, I understand that you're gonna go and have sex with her, whatever. But why would you leave that? Just grab it real quick, it takes two seconds. And then there was the whole payoff of Moraine grabbing it to stab her. And that was the entire thing. with That was why. Mm -hmm. He's thinking with a different sword, man, okay? He's trying to slay with a different sword. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Sorry, I had to make the joke. (laughs) I know you did. I know. It just... 
No, I get it. I get it. That it, that was my one gripe. But of things that just they did it for it was done for the story rather than done because that's who he is. Yes. It just didn't feel like his character. And I know that she manipulates him and changes him, but that part even through all that, he holds firm. And that uh, bugs me. Yeah, I think honestly, Lanfear at this point only does like it's like that crazy X, okay? She pops up every now and then at like the worst moments and you have to confront it. (laughs) But that's kind of about it. You, you two aren't getting back together. Yeah. So I believe that basically I think that's what's going I hope it's going to be going forward. But no, like I, I loved it. I love that payoff. I love the actress who does Landfear. She did an amazing job. I loved her reaction on how she was trying to sell it. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> for me, I'm just like, bravo, Landfear, bravo. Well, <laughs> Great that's the reason why. <laughs> that's the reason I had to ask you did she actually know beforehand because the actress did such a phenomenal job selling it Oh and yeah. as Lanfear like Lanfear selling it that she has no idea and it's just like holy crap I bought it like I bought that hook line and sinker and then with the payout of it all even though at that point I was pretty sure she was the other forsaken I am it was still like I still was like, did she even know that this was him? Is it a coincidence? And just like the whole thing of like fate drawing them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, fate and uh, quotation marks. But uh, the wheel. In this yeah, case, the wheel. It's called the it's wheel. The wheel pulling, <laughs> yeah, the wheel pulling them together. <laughs> uh, that's what my thought was with it. And then just, right, she lied. She lied too. And it's just like, holy crap. <laughs> she is so talented. Oh, yeah. And I love, this is where I love this scene so much. I love how we see the dynamic shift between Rand and Moraine in this scene. Yep. Where Rand is like, you're listening to me. You got to give me answers now. And Moraine's like, okay. (laughs) Yep. I like how we see that dynamic because, again, in the books, Moraine's just like, I know he's the dragon. I cannot screw him up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and we had talked about that last time, where he's the one that kind of puts her in his in her place, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And this is where you start seeing that. Yeah. I, I saw that part, and I was like, "Hey, this is what you're talking about. He's starting to do that. He's yeah. done with her manipulation. He's going to get the answers he wants." Mm-hmm. He now sees through it. Yep. And <clears throat> I, I'm just going to say that this might be small spoiler, like because again, you already know, uh, lose there in Telemond, Rand same kind mm-hmm. of person at uh, some point uh, the two kind of begin talking to each other okay and it's very interesting especially when later on uh, one of my favorite lines from Rand at the very end when he's talking to the Aes Sedai is like oh if we're talking if we're doing rank by age I'm technically the Armalin C because <laughs> like I am the oldest Aes Sedai around <laughs> that's fair that's fair which I, I just love that line I just love that line and I'm excited this is where again they, they're doing so good with the season like th- this is where I'm giving it like a 5 so far 5 out of 5 because they have just been killing it all the, mis- all the problems I had with season 1 they've now corrected the adjustments yeah. they're making the changes they're making make sense because I love, again, this was the one thing I was wanting to talk with Leandrin before I got going on the Black Aja. I loved how they made us connect with Leandrin. So that way, when her betrayal hit, it had a stronger impact. It did. I love that change. It's like, uh, so, I, I want to describe it similar to like in Lord of the Rings, where, because again, in the books, I know it talks about how, again, uh, what is her name? Arwen gives up her immortality for Aragorn. And in the movie, they symbolize this with the necklace. Yeah. To me, it's that same level where it is. We're doing this to sell the character. So when this happens, it hits harder. Yeah. 
And that's where that change that we see in the first episode of Leandrin getting more and more involved in Nynaeve's training, trying to put her down the path to where now she goes, oh wait, your friends are in trouble. It's now hook, line, and sinker. To where when that moment hits, it hits hard. Yeah. So I am so excited for next week's episode. <laughs> Me too. It's going to be a good one. Um, I think that's a good place to put a bookmark in for this time and we'll take it back up next time. All right. We'll catch you guys then. Bye.